brother tried to teach me to play drums tonight. Well, you know, I'm sure that's true, but there has to be a submissive heart and a, a willing heart. And I, I, I tell you, I can walk the dog, walk the dog, and I can stir the soup. What I cannot do is walk the dog when I stir the soup, okay? Now, if he would have told me to rub my belly and tap my head, I could have done that, but you had to change the words up on it. Yeah, well, if you ever realized how uncoordinated you are, he revealed that to me tonight. Thanks for discouraging me. Amen. Been a joy to be here, and uh, Brother Hill, that was a wonderful presentation. I really enjoyed that. That uh, such a beautiful place, and, and uh, beauty that God makes, and yet such a dark place in the hearts of those people because they don't know the one who created the beauty all around them. And uh, we'll sure be praying for you and for your family. Uh, your daughter is a great artist. I don't know if you know that or not, but I was watching her. Uh, I was kidding with her. She's a very good sketch artist, or at least I think so, Madison. I have no ability to understand art at all. But uh, she, she drew a beautiful eye, and I said to her, did you look at me last night and see my beautiful eyes? And just out of memory sketched Pastor Edwards, you know. Now, I'm an old man. I have to talk for a while. I, I tell you, those folks juiced me up on coffee. And so I'm, I'm going to preach fast tonight. I am so caffeinated right now. I'm wired. I'm ready to go. I'm not going to go to bed tonight. I'm just going to stay up all night. And I'll preach all night if you'll stay, okay? So glad to get to meet you. Love your pastor and his family. That's beautiful music. I've enjoyed the music and just the spirit of the church. I hope you recognize what you have. Not everybody has a good church to go to. Sometimes we take for granted what God has blessed us with. And I just urge you, never, ever, ever take for granted the wonderful church God has given you. And by that, I mean appreciate it, but also support it and love it. Love one another. And uh, it will be even more for your life as you participate in it. But this is a great place and a good place to, to be part of. Thanks for having us. Take your Bibles, if you would, and I'm going to turn to two very well-known passages to begin with. They're going to be our jumping-off place, but then we're going to look at a number of scriptures beyond that. So we're going to, we're going to explain the theory, and then we're going to see the practice. And this truly will be a sword drill tonight. It's a Bible study tonight. And uh, it's been a real blessing in my heart. I said briefly this morning, the older I get, the more I realize that I don't have time to mess around with things that don't matter. I, I want to be involved in things that matter. And to, to have seen these things in the scripture and to know that what we're doing in this conference, it's, it's not just a series of meetings. Sometimes we... We have that thought, well, we've got meetings at the church. But what we're doing is truly New, New Testament church practice. And I hope that it can be an encouragement to you tonight when you see that your church is doing exactly what they did in the first century. And I hope it motivates us to continue on and even do more. So turn with me two places, Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1. Both of these are presentations of the Great Commission. They reveal different truths or, or uh, kind of 
play on each other, but we want to look at them. We'll make some very simple comments, and then we'll move on to how these are put into practice. Normally, <clears throat> I read the scripture and pray, but tonight I'm going to really change it up. I'm going to pray and read the scripture, all right? It is legal. You can do that. Let's pray first, and then we'll read scripture. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be together tonight. I thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for Pastor and his family. Thank you for just the, the good music we've heard and the wonderful spirit in this place. And Lord, we're here because we're needy people. We want to learn. We want to be encouraged in our serving you. We love you, and we know that you first loved us. So Lord, we ask you tonight as we study your word, I don't think we'll reveal anything that people don't already know, but maybe it will support what they know and encourage them in what they're doing. So God, through your Holy Spirit, minister to us, help us, teach us truth. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 19 and 20. I know you know these verses. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Very clear instructions that we are to go and we are to teach or if we will, we'll see in a little bit, preach the gospel. But we are to go make disciples. Now, you got saved. You're a disciple. You know how you got saved. I, I gave you my testimony this morning. Somebody told me the truth about who I was, told me the truth about who the Lord was, and explained to me my need of the Lord. And by the truth of the gospel, I got saved. Amen? And you know in your life when someone shared that truth with you and when it impacted your heart and you turned to the Lord, you were made a disciple. And then if you were an obedient disciple, and I trust you were, then you were baptized. And it wasn't that you got saved when you got baptized. You identified with Jesus Christ. You made a public statement that you had confessed that you were a sinner that you knew only through him could you be saved, and you were publicly identifying your life with Jesus Christ and, by so doing, joining a local church. And then, not only are we to make disciples, tell people about Jesus, not only are we to baptize them so that they identify with the Lord, we're to teach them all the things that he wants us to observe in our lives. Now, I suggest to you that a, an individual can tell somebody about Christ, and I do believe it takes the authority of a local church to baptize that person into uh, a church and, and to identify with Christ, but boy, it really takes a church, and I believe a group of disciples to teach uh, a new convert and to help that new convert learn all the things about walking in the Lord that he wants us to learn. So that's our commission. We are to go and make disciples. We are to see them baptized. And then we're to, with them, encourage them to know all the things that the Lord has commanded us. Now, 
Let me add something to that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice it. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Again, I know these things are elementary, but let's think about them because they form the basis of what we're going to talk about. We acknowledge that as the church, we have been given a commission, preach the gospel, make disciples, see them baptized, and see them trained to walk in the truths of the Lord. What we must also acknowledge is where we are commanded to do that. Not only are we commanded to do that, if you will, in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, pastor has talked about going soul winning and leading a young man to the Lord the other day. That's encouraging to me. I hope it is to you. And we are to be busy about that in the place that we live. But the Lord says, now, wait a minute. There's a whole world out there. And I want you to not only be fulfilling that commission in your Jerusalem or in the place where you are, but I want you to expand that. I want you to go to Judea. Uh, Jerusalem was the city. Judea was the environs of that area. But he doesn't stop there. He says, not only Jerusalem and Judea, I want you to go to Samaria. Now, Samaria certainly enlarges the area. Maybe we could think that Jerusalem as our city and Judea as our state, Florida. Maybe we could think of Samaria as the United States, our country. But I also want to interject this. When the Lord said to this assembled group of Jewish believers that they were to go to Samaria, he also said to them, get over your prejudices. And this message is not just for you and those who are like you. This message is for the entire world, whether they look like you or have your culture or have your heritage. This is for every soul on the earth. And you and I must understand that for today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not bound by the boundaries of a city or a nation. It's not bound by the color of our skin. It's not bound by our heritage of belief. Any man who hears the gospel, any woman who hears the gospel, the Holy Spirit can convict that heart and instruct them in the truth of the Lord, and they can be saved. And then the Lord says, now just make sure you get it. It's not just Jerusalem. It's not just Judea. It's not just Samaria. It is to the uttermost part of the earth. So the Lord says to us, I've got a job for you to do. And I want you to be busy making disciples, seeing them baptized, bring them into identity with you, the church, and me, and then teach them to observe, teach them to live in the Bible way and by the way, I want you to do that where you live. I want you to do that where it's a little harder to get to. I want you to cross all racial barriers, all national barriers. I want you to reach all those people. And just so you understand, I want you to do this everywhere at the same time. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not omnipresent. I'm sure not omniscient. And I'm pretty sure I'm not omnipotent either, okay, just to cover it all. I'm not everywhere. I can't be everywhere. 
How can we be everywhere? How can we fulfill the commission? God never gives us something to do that is beyond our ability to do. He doesn't command us to accomplish something that we absolutely cannot accomplish. He gives us a plan whereby we can be obedient to his command to preach the gospel to every creature in every place at every time. And that's what I want to reveal to you tonight. God's simple plan for missions so that we can reach a world with the truth of Jesus Christ. Now to understand God's plan for missions, it's important for us to understand one Greek word. Now you remember what I said to you this morning. I do not know Greek. I took one whole year of elementary Greek. I'm a Greek scholar. I knew the alphabet once, but I forget it now, okay? I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have a Strong's Concordance. And so I'm an educated man. You can smile. A Strong's Concordance is a wonderful tool because it can give you the shades of meaning and it can give you an understanding in some ways that will be of a great blessing to you. And so when I began to consider how does God intend for us to accomplish this, he brought to my mind or brought to my attention one Greek word, and it is the Greek word. It's not even a beautiful Greek word. It's actually kind of ugly. Propempo. We would spell it in our English language, P-R-O-P-E-M-P-O, but it is incredibly meaningful. Propempo, according to Dr. Strong in the concordance, is translated in these ways in the New Testament. It's translated brought, B-R-O-U-G-H-T, I brought you something. It's translated being brought. It's translated bring forth. It's translated accompanying. It's translated supported. Thayer, who is another scholar who has a, a lexicon, defines the word this way. He says the Greek word propempo means to outfit or fit out for a journey. To outfit or fit out for a journey. Now, with that understanding, it is used in three ways. We'll build on this. Stay with me, all right? Number one, it is used to indicate fitting someone for a journey by giving them money. We're in a Baptist church. We don't talk about money around here. Listen, let's just tell ourselves the truth. It takes money to send missionaries. And God is not afraid to talk about money because all the silver and all the gold and all the hills is his. And he is able to provide it and he is able in his grace to make us able to abound to every good work, God is not afraid to talk about it. And so you and I should not be afraid to talk about it. And one of the things that I absolutely love about the missions conference is that as we talk about money, none of it stays here. This week, we're not talking about salaries. We're not talking about paying electric bills. We're not talking about buildings. We're talking about money that comes in and goes out. 
And that is a wonderful way to talk about it because that's the heart of the Lord, to give, to give, to give, to give. Now, not only is it to be fit and, and be, to be made financially fit for a journey, it also carries with it the thought of fitting for the journey by prayer, by praying. And then third, and we'll look at these, it means fit for the journey by an emotional support, by strengthening someone emotionally. We're going to go on a journey. Stay with me. Let's look at several of these places. And the goal of this message is that at the end, we see that what we're doing is exactly what those first churches in the New Testament did. And praise be to God, it worked then and it works now. Amen. Notice with me, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Now, somebody said this morning, hey, you get a little passionate when you preach. And I do. I am from Kentucky, okay? And we get excited in Kentucky. So if I get loud, it's just because I love what I'm talking about, all right? You forgive me. All right. Notice Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Verse 3, And being brought on their way. Now when you see that brought on their way in the Greek, that is the word propimpo. So being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. What's taking place here? Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel and they are seeing people saved. And a group of Judaizers sees the success of ministry that they're having and this group of Judaizers says, hey, wait a minute, that's too easy. You can't just preach that a man is a sinner and that Jesus died for him and that by faith in what Jesus did for him, he can be saved. You can't just preach that. You've got to tell them that they also have to keep parts of the law. They have to be circumcised. They can't eat anything. with You, you, you just can't have a gospel of grace. You've got to mix some law into that. Now, if you know Paul, as soon as he heard them talking about that, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they did not like that kind of talk because it is untrue. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so they went back to the church at Antioch and they said, hey, we, we've got a dispute here. We're preaching a gospel of grace and these Judaizers are teaching our converts that they have to keep the law. And so the church at Antioch says, well, let's, let's get this figured out. We want you, Paul and Barnabas and one or two others, we're going to send you to Jerusalem and we're going to send you in our place. We can't all go up to Jerusalem. And so we're going to send you to Jerusalem and we want you to consult with James and with Peter and others that are there and let's get this straightened out. Now stay with me. What did they do? Not everybody at the church of Antioch could go. And so they deputized, they made deputies of the church, Paul and Barnabas, and said, Paul and Barnabas, you go and you represent us 
and you do the work there in Jerusalem, and then you report back to us. And then they understood that since we're deputizing you and sending you in our place to do our job, it's only fair that we bring you on your way, that we fit you for the journey. And so they took up a collection and they bought the food that was necessary and perhaps the donkey that was necessary. Or maybe they bought a, 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 a ticket for a wagon ride. I'm not sure how they got up to Jerusalem, but the point was they understood they were sending them in their place and the responsibility was for them to make it possible for them to get there and report back. The Hills are here with us tonight. Do you know what we're in the process of doing? I hope you don't mind me speaking for you, Pastor. Pastor would say the same thing. <clears throat> you and I, as, as members and, and folks at, at Bible Baptist Church in Pembroke Pines, you do realize we've got a responsibility in Patagonia, don't you? You do realize that we've been commissioned to preach the gospel in Argentina. And I don't know about you, I do know about me, I can't go there because I can't walk up and down those hills, all right? And so I, we've got to deputize somebody to go in our place. Oh, God called the hills to go there. And they've come by here and they've said, we can help you with the job that God has given you to do in preaching the gospel to the people of Patagonia deputize us and we'll go and we'll preach the gospel for you there. We even call it, they are on deputation. Do you know why we call it deputation? Because they are going, offering their services to a church that has been commissioned to preach the gospel in Argentina, and they are saying, if you deputize us, we will go in your place and preach the gospel in that place, and our responsibility is, okay, God commissioned us to do it, you're willing to go, we'll fit you for the journey. We'll bring you on your way. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Notice another one with me, if you will. Let's turn over just a little bit to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. <clears throat> now, let's begin reading in verse 22. Romans 15, verse 22. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way, there's our Greek word, propimpo, brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I may be somewhat filled with your company. You say, preacher, what's going on there? What we're doing here. Here's what Paul is saying. He's writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, oh, I can't wait until I get to see you. Because when I get to Rome, I want to refresh our fellowship and our friendship I want to impart some spiritual gift to you. I want to be a blessing to you. And then he springs it on them. You know what he springs on them? I'm on my way to Spain. 
And you know what he has the audacity to do? Can you believe this? He asks for money. It's exactly what he did. He said, when I come and see you, notice what it says in verse 24, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. Paul is saying, I'm coming to see you, and I want to minister to you, and I want to refresh our fellowship, but understand, God has called me to Spain. Spain is a place where the gospel hasn't been preached yet. There's a place beyond Rome. It's another ocean to cross, another sea to cross. And Paul says, my burden is to get to Spain and understand church at Rome. You've been given the commission to preach the gospel to every creature in every place. And so unashamedly and frankly, quite boldly, I'm coming to you so that you can bring me on my way to Spain. Maybe to buy my ticket to cross that sea. Maybe to pay for the vittles that I'll need to get to that place. But I'm needing you to help me get there. I said to you this morning, and I say again, we have in our minds that Paul was always bivocational. That all he ever did was make tents and pay for his own way to start churches. And though he did do that for a time, the truth is that's the exception. The rule was, the most of the time was, he was supported by other churches to go to places to start new churches. And that's exactly what we're doing. These folks have come to us and they say, hey, this is a great church at Pembroke Pines. We love you, Bible Baptist Church. Will you help us get to Patagonia? All I want you to see is nothing new is happening here. This is exactly what took place in the New Testament. Look at one more with me. Look at one more with me. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I love this. It just shows you the boldness of Paul. Look at verse 5. Now, I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may, uh-oh, look at there, bring me, there's Propimpo. I'm coming to see you, but I also have another desire. I need you to help me journey on to plant more churches. I'm coming to you to give you the opportunity to bring me to Propimpo, to fit me out for the journey so I can keep going on missionary journeys, to preach the gospel where it's never been preached, to plant churches where there are no churches. Now stay with me. Verse 7, For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now look at verse 10. Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be without, with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, get this, but conduct him. And again, it is the word propimpo. Conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Hey, you talk about team missions. 
This is the Apostle Paul saying, I need you to support me, Corinthian church. I need you to help me so that I can continue a work here in Ephesus. And by the way, Timothy is coming through, and Timothy and I work together. I need you to support Timothy as well. I need you to conduct him so that we can work together and establish these churches together. Folks, it's exciting stuff that as you sit in Pembroke Pines Bible Baptist Church, you are doing exactly what they did in the first century when the greatest missionary efforts were just beginning. And it all involved fitting people out for the journey, making it possible so they could get there. That's why we come together. And listen, it's uncomfortable. I just want you to know after doing it for 43 years, it's uncomfortable as a preacher to stand up and say money, money, money. We don't enjoy doing it. But the Apostle Paul said if the word's going to get out there, if we're going to accomplish the mission, we've got to encourage people to give because there's a journey that has to be made and people have to be fit for the journey. They have to have what they need to get to that place and be sustained in that place and, and have money to do ministry in that place. It, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about, but it is an essential thing to talk about. And it's been going on since the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and Timothy gave us the example of fitting people for the journey. Now, let me move on. Not only is it talking about fitting people financially for the journey, I want you to know that more than money is needed on the mission field. We can send missionaries fully supported to the mission field. But missions work, just like work, the gospel ministry here, is not a human effort, it's a divine effort. And you and I, it is as essential that we equip people by praying for them as it is that we equip people by paying their tickets and, and providing their food and providing their housing. We can have the best dressed missionaries, but if they don't have the power of God, they're not going to be effective. And so it's a requirement that we pray. Notice with me in Acts chapter 21. Go back to Acts chapter 21. And notice in verse 1. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Cus, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patara. Now, I just want you to understand, this is Paul traveling. You do understand, he's already got a ticket. He's already on the boat traveling, all right? Finding a ship over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us, see it, on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. 
Stay with me. Get this. Paul didn't need them to buy a ticket. He already had means to get to Jerusalem. He was sailing. But they had to unload their cargo in that, in that port. And so while he was in that port, he went to a church, a house church. And he met with them and worshipped with them. And they began to share with each other. And one of the men there was burdened and said to Paul, Paul, we're concerned about you going on to Jerusalem. We're fearful that much harm is going to come to you in Jerusalem. And, and Paul had to say to them, but God's called me to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. And so the result of that was when it was time to go get back on the ship, the ship was ready to leave. All of the people in the church did something very significant. They brought him on his way by praying for him. They left the house and walked down to the docks with him. And before he got on that boat, they kneeled and they prayed because they knew it was going to be a difficult journey. They knew that they were sailing into the unknown. They knew that there was going to be persecution and opposition. And they knew that as a body of believers, though they had already been fit for the journey financially, they needed to be held up in prayer. May I say to you that getting to the field is just half the battle? Being on the field, our missionaries need to be sustained by people who truly pray for them. Not just a prayer that says, I I'm praying for all the missionaries today, Lord, bless them. It needs to be an informed prayer life. One of the things that we did is we would assign a missionary family to each of the families of our church. And they would gather around their table. We would provide the letter monthly or quarterly, whatever it was. And we would ask them to pray informatively on, with that missionary. We would say, pray for the burdens that they present and pray for the needs of that family. Know who that family is and pray for them and pray for God to open doors, effectual doors where they could minister. Pray for them to know the language. Pray for them. Because without God's power on them, they're just supported people on a field. And these people said, Paul, we won't forget you. We know you're going into a difficult situation, and we want you to know we will pray intelligently for you. Let me look at one more, and I'll be done. Look at Acts chapter 20, just back a chapter. And I want you to notice in verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. Okay, now he's got his ticket. They have prayed, but I want you to notice the last two verses. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. There's our word for pimpo. Let me give you the picture and what I believe it's, it's communicating to us. 
we must be very careful to financially support the missionaries because it's our commission. It's our responsibility. They're going as our deputies. We must be very careful to pray for them because it isn't a, a carnal battle. It's a spiritual battle, and we must uplift them. But let me say this to you. We must remember them, and we must support them emotionally. The ticket's been bought, the prayers have been said, and the church just says, let us walk down with you. We, we want to watch your ship go over the horizon. We want our faces, the last that you see. We want our handshakes to be the last that you see. We, we want you to know that though we are not getting on that boat with you, we are watching you, we remember you, we know you, and we will not forget you. Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt just alone? And yet we're home. Most of us live within miles of family, if not next door. We, we live in a place where we can easily pick up a phone and call, where, where we can easily be consoled by friends and so on. I, I don't want to paint too dark a picture here, but I want you to understand where these people are going. And I want you to understand where this Syrian, the family going to Syria is going. They are going where they know no one. They are going to a culture they do not know. They will be the people who stand in a crowd and don't understand a word. And I want to tell you something. The devil works overtime on discouraging people who feel alone. One of the most powerful forces in our world is loneliness. And I so believe it is attendant upon us to remember them and to communicate with them. Remember that they have the same desires for their family that you have for yours. They face the same problems that you do, but we are surrounded by what we know. We're surrounded by those we love. They are alone. And you will never fully understand what it is to open an email and have somebody say to you, hey, I was in a church where you presented and God just stirred my heart up to pray for you. And I want you to know this morning I prayed for you and your wife. And I remembered Madison and Jocelyn and Judson. Do you know what that would do to a mother's heart? To know that her children mattered to somebody? Was remembered by somebody? We need to emotionally support our missionaries. It's not enough to give the money. We certainly need to. It, it is that we need to pray. But bless God, we need to remember these people represent us. They go for us. They serve in our place. Missions is not a three-day conference. It is a year-round responsibility of fitting people for the journey that God has called them to because they serve in our place. Hey, 
That's what they did in the first century. And the super cool, see how young I am, super cool thing you and I get to do is be involved in missions according to God's plan, fitting people for the journey, praying that they are able to serve and supporting them and remembering them and loving them so they never feel abandoned. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you tonight, it is almost overwhelming to me to realize how absolutely perfect your plan is. But it's also overwhelming to me to realize how easy it is for us to forget it. To get stirred up in a missions conference, to give, and to think that giving dispatches our responsibility to the world. Oh God, I pray tonight that you would challenge people's hearts. Certainly to give, to increase their giving, to be faithful in their giving to missions. But God, may not one of us forget that these people we send, we send them into difficult places. And it is not a game. They need us to pray for them. And God, help us not to just throw a dollar at it and forget them. Help us to remember them. They're doing work that abounds to our spiritual account. Help us to remember them and love them and care for them for the work's sake. Lord, I ask you to do this tonight. I pray for every believer in this room, and I know this is the cream of the crop. I know these are people who love you and love your work and love missions, but there is always more that we can do. There is always deeper that we can go. And I pray that you would challenge every believer here tonight, that they would ask you, am I giving what you want me to give? And I pray that you would challenge every believer, are you faithfully praying for the people you're sending? And I pray that you would challenge every believer, are you emotionally, are you supporting those that you've sent by remembering them, by loving them? And God, I pray that it wouldn't just be an exercise and dismissed but I pray that we would truly do business and where we could give more, challenge us. And where we are not faithfully praying for these people, convict us. And where we are not supporting and loving these people, encourage us to do that. Work in this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you